Welcome in, everybody. This is the Wagner Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Garini, joined by my co-host, Nick Musto. Nick, how are we doing? Doing great. I, I like when you announced us, I like heard the music. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Queens of, I forget the band. Anyways, uh, follow us on Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, at Wagner Fantasy. Uh, don't be afraid to talk to us on there. We love talking to our fans. Also, don't forget, subscribe to our newsletter. Winning with Wagme is the New York Times of fantasy football. Go to our website, wagmefantasy.com, to do so. What are we going to have in season for them? Today, we're going to be talking about our busts, blah, plants, if you may. Um, I really like this. Oh, wait, does that not sound what you asked me? No, but, you know, we can just jump in. <laughs> so I, what I was hoping Nick would say was our <laughs> newsletter is going to contain waiver wire targets, uh, buy low, sell high in season, and also start them, sit them for each week. So uh, now, now that we're past that, yeah, Nick, we are going to do our blah plans, which I don't know if that term really sticks that well. No, it does, I need it doesn't to something off. new. So we have our flag plants, and basically these are guys that we're just avoiding at their ADP. How about that? Avoiding at ADP, bland, boring, like that. We don't we don't need to get creative right now. No, um, I'm not creative right so, now. <laughs> so we gave you a starting lineup each of guys that we're all in. We're planning our flag on um, in Tuesday's episode. So today. We're giving you a lineup of guys that we're avoiding at their ADP by all means. Um, I'm going to kick this one off at quarterback. I'm avoiding Joe Burrow at his ADP. He's going in the fifth round at QB7. He's my QB10. Um, it's not that I don't think Joe Burrow's an elite quarterback on the field. He is. But he's going in the same round as Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts. And he has one. He lacks something that the other have. And that's limited rushing upside. You know, I had a little over 100 rushing yards and two touchdowns last year. He was a QB8 last year. Uh, that is that is with missing a game. However, he posted historic metrics, 8.9 yards per attempt, 70% completion percentage, 6.5% touchdown rate. Um, those are historically great numbers. However, I do see him replicating uh, – league leading figures. So it's not like I'm discounting him much in his efficiency metrics. I still think Cincinnati's offense got better over the off season. Um, Joe Burrow is going to be running that engine. I just don't see him finishing any higher than a low end QB one without rushing upside um, at QB seven. I feel like you're drafting him towards his ceiling. So, which is why when we get, guys being drafted towards their ceiling. I'm very hesitant. I feel like Joe Burrow is more of a low-end QB1 than a high-end one. Yeah, I agree. There's guys going in, in the last podcast we mentioned, Kirk Cousins, for example, going much later. Five can, rounds later that yeah. I think will do the same thing. Exactly. What's the difference between Kirk Cousins and Joe Burrow? Six rounds of ADP yeah. value. And you're, it's not worth the cost. Um, I think Joe Burrow is a great quarterback, as Colin highlighted on However, he's not a fantasy quarterback. Um, hopefully one day in his career, he can be like an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady where you can rely on 35-plus touchdowns. But I have him at 35 touchdowns and that's, this year. That's good. But he, had, he had 34 last year. But yeah. like I, I want to reiterate, if you're lacking that any, any rushing upside, I mean, look who all is going ahead of him. Uh, Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray, Mar Jackson's going around him. 
even Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, they have a little more rushing production to prod their fantasy value upwards. I just feel like Joe Burrow, um, he lacks something the others have in that range. And so why spend a pick on him there? So forget ADP. Would you rather have Trey Lance or Joe Burrow as your quarterback? Definitely Joe Burrow. Um, Without a doubt, put it in a vacuum. I'd rather have Joe Burrow. However, if you need that upside, um, if you lack upside or volatility in the rest of your lineup, yeah, Trey Lance is the answer there just because of the rushing production. I'm becoming a little more high on Trey Lance as we get closer to the season. Who are you avoiding at quarterback? Um, Derek Carr. I know this is someone. That, I don't like this. I don't like. I him. know. I know. Um, he's infamous for his low touchdown seasons, uh, often in the mid to low 20s, which is not something you want as your QB. Um, however, he is going super late round uh 10 to 11 um, QB 14 off the board. So that's something that is encouraging for him. Like you're, you're buying him super cheap. You're not like spending a high value draft pick on him. He could even be your QB too, depending on how your draft's going. Um, Super flex. I like him. One QB leagues. I don't, I don't see much upside for him. I think Devontae Adams really suffers at the hand of Derek Carr this year. Um, I don't think so. I disagree with that. However, I don't see Derek Carr finishing higher than QB 14, just because um, he's never been that guy as you are, you are saying. So we're literally drafting him at his ceiling in 11, 10th round. (laughs) I feel like his ceiling and floor are very shrunk together though. I mean, last year he was the QB 13 or 14 on the year. Um, He threw for only 23 pass touchdowns. I don't think he eclipsed 5,000 passing yards, but he was very close to it if he didn't. Um, I do love his weapons. I love his new coach. I do see him posting a, perhaps a career high level of passing touchdowns, but that figure is only 32 right now. So it's not like we're seeing 40 passing touchdowns. I think good, great things are in place for Derek Carr and the Raiders offense this year. Um, but I could partially agree with you. That I don't see him finishing in the QB one range. I don't see him finishing as a top 12 QB just because he he's not that type of guy. There's just other guys in that area that I prefer to have. So that's like out of the guys going near him, like Trey Lance is a little bit earlier and he might even Justin Fields or Justin Fields and a Kirk Cousins too. Like I prefer all those guys over Derek Carr. So that's why he is a blah flag for me <laughs> probably i probably wouldn't disagree with you much okay i just love that guy i uh, can't hate on him <laughs> no rushing upside with him either correct correct so. that's something something to monitor yeah. um i could have easily picked aaron Rodgers as mine instead of joe burrow mm-hmm. um for the same rationale uh i feel like if you're drafting your quarterback he either has to be a great value like Kirk cousins is or he has to have some rushing upside otherwise you're missing out mm-hmm. at running back i'm going to flip it over so we're going to running back dalvin cook someone that i'm just n- not in on at his current adp he's going as rb5 in the middle of the first round he's my rb9 um it's not that i think dalvin cook's going to bust this year uh which he would only do if he gets injured for more than his couple multiple games, you know. What do you want from him? How many games? I want if I'm drafting Dalvin Cook, I want 15 games. So yeah. I'm I'm okay with him missing two because I know that's what he does. He misses multiple games in every year of his career, um, but no less. And so one of the things with drafting Dalvin Cook 
Um, if you're very concerned with injury risk, when is one of those injuries going to turn into catastrophic season ending? Um, that's something to consider, but that's not my point. He's in a new offense that's passing oriented. Kevin O'Connell comes in for Minnesota, former quarterback himself. We talk about this all the time on this show. Um, Minnesota is going to throw the ball the most they have in the past decade. There's no longer Mike Zimmer to bottom feet Dalvin Cook um, 20 plus touches each game. Alexander Madison's there to offload some responsibility off Dalvin Cook to one, keep him fresh and to keep him on the field later in the year. Um, So I feel like with Madison, a very capable backup running back, it just limits Dalvin Cook's potent upside. Cook had 20 plus carries in seven games last year. In the six games, he didn't. He averaged less than 10 points per game. Um, he, He saw his efficiency metrics dip slightly last year, uh, averaged nearly a yard less per touch. I just don't think if he's not being fed that RB1 caliber volume, he's going to struggle to finish any higher than a low-end RB1. I do see positive touchdown progression. Uh, He only scored six times last year compared to 29 times the previous two years combined. So, yes, I see Dalvin Cook finding the end zone more, No, I do not see Dalvin Cook matching 249 carries from last year. Um, He's just someone I don't like. See, I disagree with this. I I know earlier in the offseason, I would have agreed with you, but time's moved on. I've changed. I'm a new man. I'm in on Dalvin Cook this season. He's going right after all of the like the first six elite towns, like the four running backs. I think he's going right in the middle of that. I think he goes right after it just because I think people really want the Cooper cup and their Justin Jefferson this season. Um, I think that if Dalvin cook plays an entire season, which there is a chance, I mean, most running backs miss a couple games and him especially, but he never misses long-term really. He, he it's a couple besides his rookie year. You're but, right. Yeah. Okay. So other than that season, he hasn't missed significant portions of a season. Um, I think this offense is better. I still see him getting 20 carries a game. I think that he's just, no. he's that good or 20 touches a game, 20 touches a game. So he'll get a, he, he is, he is able to receive the ball as well. So if he sees that volume, then yes, Dalvin cooks the top three running back. You don't um, see him getting 15 carries and three catches a game. No, I do. I mean, I do. now we're talking 18 touches instead of okay, 20. So. Um, I see him right around 15 carries per game. Yeah, I guess, I guess I can see 18 touches, um, which is something pleasant. He's still my RB9. Um, yeah. I, I just don't see him outperforming. I'd rather have the bell cows of Najee Harris and Joe Mixon over him. I'd rather have the PPR machines, Austin Eckler, Christian McCaffrey, wow, McCrackery, <laughs> McCaffrey over him. Um, also JT, Derrick Henry, all above him. I would personally rather have Alvin Kamara than Dalvin Cook this year just because he has a higher receiving upside just because he has more of a dominant share of that offense I Dalvin Cook's someone that I think is great uh but he's not my favorite guy to draft I think we see a ton of touchdowns from this year I think he's gonna like I don't know why but I have a vision where he's going to just I have him for 11 so I I feel like that's reasonable a reasonable progression from six last year, um, but time will tell. Yeah, I mean, that's someone that we do disagree on. Uh, however, not by a ton. Like, you have an RB9. I, I see that there's a chance for him to have RB1 upside. 
like overall, just because of the offense that he'll be in and his talent as well. I mean, he's that good. Perhaps. But okay. So we disagree a little bit on Dalvin Cook, not by a great Go to your RB ones first. <laughs> um, okay, so Travis Etienne, someone else that I know you're gonna disagree with me on. Um actually no. No, you've changed. I have changed. You're changed, man. Good. Um, and I'll let you rationalize yeah. that one. So he's in he's RB21 off the board going in the end of the fourth round, beginning of the fifth round. He's just one of those guys who's around in Elijah Mitchell. He's around um he uh, no, he's a bit ahead of Breeze. He's around a JK Dobbins and Elijah Mitchell. He's in the RB dead zone. Yeah, dead zone. He's a dead zone guy. Um his profile just doesn't, it's not a three down back. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a third down back. He comes in for those um, when they need yards, he'll be a reception guy. I think James Robinson's still the lead back in this offense. If he can return and show efficiency um, he's taking carries in camp right now. And like he's back. <laughs> well, he's ran straight lines with he the did. ball, He did. <laughs> um, but James Robinson, they, there have been reports um, from Jacksonville coaching staff that James Robinson is still the starter, mm -hmm. um, which is why I'm pulling out my chips from Travis Etienne. I just feel like he's a, he's a risky player in general, just because that's a high upside, uh, high risk guy. Um, I'm seeing more high risk than high upside at yeah. this point. It's a bad offense. I think he's going too high for what he's going to pay off with. Um, and I have a note here. I see him more of in like the Kareem Hunt debate, just the type of player he is. He's going to, I think he belongs in that range. If he's, especially if he's not the RB1. So initially in my positional rankings, I had Travis Etienne in the middle teens. So like a high end RB2. Um, Recorrected the stats accounting for James Robinson to make a larger impact. I still feel like I might have Travis Etienne having more rushes than James Robinson. But Robinson, as the season progresses, he's going to command a larger share of this backfield. I have Travis Etienne in that Kareem Hunt range at RB30. Um, he's someone that I'm just pulling out of. It's I, I do believe this Jacksonville offense is going to be better with Doug Peterson, with Trevor Lawrence centering his second year, with Travis Etienne back in the fold. Um, however, I just don't. I don't see it warranting a RB1. And when you split that workload amongst two guys between James Robinson and Travis Etienne, I believe I have Etienne for 50 plus receptions, but um, I just still don't see volume warranting the, the talents there. The efficiency is going to be there. He's going to average five plus yards per carry, but he's more like Tony Pollard to Ezekiel Elliott um, than Ezekiel Elliott is to Tony Pollard, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I agree. He's the, the one. Yeah, um, he's an electric compliment that's not going to get a lot of touches. I honestly, I just saw this more like kind of like a Naheem Hines situation. Like perhaps he's yeah. going to just, he might have 60 catches, but I think he's better than Naheem Hines. Yeah, I do too. Um, and I think, he, I honestly think he's a great talent at running back. But Fancy football this year, I, it would be awfully hopeful for me to remain all in on Travis Etienne. Um, if James Robinson is back in the early parts of the season, which it, it's still up in the air, whether he can make a week one return mm -hmm. or not. Um, if Robinson's out for an extended time, I'm all in. I'm back in on Travis Etienne. But as long as Robinson's there progressing in his health, going to be on the field in the early parts of the season, 
I'm out. So what if right before the season starts and there's a report that comes out, uh, James Robinson behind schedule or whatever, and he's expected to miss four weeks? I would ETN would move up my boards um, because it's not just four weeks that he's missing. It's four four games he's missing. And then, you know, he's got to be welcome back in. Um, It's not like he's going zero to 100. Uh, so yes, James Robinson's health is definitely a, a large factor in ETN's value. Yeah, it's one of those injuries to really pay attention to until the season starts. Damian Harris, I feel like everybody's going to agree with me on this one in the fantasy community. I'm all out. He's a blah plant for me. Um, he's going in these late sixth round. I've never been very high on him mm-hmm. to start. He's a, going as an RB26, he's my RB35. Look, New England's implementing a new rushing scheme. Uh, there's reports that it's pretty disastrous. Uh, they they had a good one last year for some reason. Bill Belichick feels compelled to change it. Ramondre Stevenson's progressing. He's entering his second or third year. Second. I think, yep, second. Uh, and Stevenson's looking really good in preseason and camp. It looks like he could be the potential starter. Harris gets no receiving work. He only had 20 targets last year. That's Stevenson's job now, now that James White announced his retirement. Uh, Harris had 15 touchdowns last year. He's going to regress. He had he scored once every a little over 13 touches. That's an insane pace for a running back. Historic, like top five level in the last decade. Historic. Um, so I just don't like Damian Harris at all this year, even though he finished as the RB14 last year. And he's now being valued as a RB3, a high-end RB3. He's someone that I just see continuing to crash in favor favor of Ramondre Stevenson. Yeah, I think Ramondre is one of the better handcuffs to have this season. Um, I don't even think he's a handcuff. No, he's he's playable. Yeah, really. But um, if there's any sort of injury to Damian Harris, which, I mean, that's not something to project. But if there is, Ramondre is going to explode. Um, what we saw, I don't know, what was it three years ago, I think. And yeah, 2019 when James White had a full season, he was the RB two on the offense and he scored 13 points a game, like every single week. It was insane. So if that's what you're going to get out of Ramondre Stevenson with Damian Harris also in the mix, that's like fantasy viable. We're pro Ramondre anti Damian Harris. Boo Damien, yay Ramondre. Um, it's your RB2. Nick Chubb going as the RB9, um, middle of the second or beginning, middle of the second round, um, overall 16th spot. Quarterback is discouraging. Kobe Brissett, Josh Rosen, bad offense, not a lot of opportunity. Um, very scary. Something else to consider, Kareem Hunt, very good backup running back. Also very scary. So those are a couple scary Pretty things. Scary. Yeah. <laughs> for Nick Chubb. Um, bad schedule as well. They play in the AFC North. Uh, those are three of the better defenses in the NFL with the Steelers, the Bengals, and the Ravens. Those are three very viable defenses. Um, Although the Steelers had the 32nd passer <laughs> rushing defense. And they the had the D-poy. <laughs> you guys had the worst rushing defense. We had the best defensive player. In the- Whatever. I'm not going to talk about that. There's no Steelers slander on this podcast. Um, so, yeah, bad quarterback play. Very good um, partner in crime in the running back position in Kareem Hunt. Uh, not a favorable schedule. Um, we've seen it in the past with Nick Chubb, one of the best players on the field, one of the worst players for fantasy because of his 
draft position and what he ends up doing. Um, he's going to have his seven point weeks, his nine point weeks where he doesn't catch a pass, but he has a bunch of yards and he has a very good football game. He has a bad fantasy game. And we're going to see that again. Stay away from him. Yeah. I mean, I talked about Nick Chubb on Roto Rob's podcast last week. You can check him out at rotorob.com. It's on YouTube as well. Uh, Nick Chubb's the dude that I highlighted as a running back that I'm just not in on this year. Um, it's not that, again, he's probably the best just pure runner in the league. He's the best downfield running back in the league. However, the fantasy production's just not there at all times. Um, he's volatile because he's very touchdown reliant. He gets no receiving workload. I feel like he doesn't belong in the top 10 running backs. I have him as my RB 15 on the year, and he's going to be relegated to that middle of the pack RB two range. I'm going a wide receiver now. AJ Brown is the biggest bust of the century this year. Um, yes, you heard that. Uh, he's going as a wide receiver 11 at in the middle of the third round. He's my wide receiver 24. After I did the stack corrections, I moved AJ Brown up seven spots from wide receiver 31 to 24. Um, so yes, I'm warming up to him, but I'm still ice cold compared to ADP. Uh, Philadelphia had a league low 494 pass attempts. It's a crowded wide receiver room in Philadelphia. You have Devonte Smith, who is, is a great receiver. I mean, as a rookie, he had nearly a thousand receiving yards and over a hundred targets. Uh, the wide receiver room is deep. Also, you have Quez Watkins, you have Jalen Rieger, you have Zach Pascal, um, all of those guys are talented enough to go on the football field and maybe get two, three targets a game. Um, so it's not like they're making big dings into the yeah. production category, but there's still guys taking looks away. The tight ends and running backs are heavily used in this passing game as well. Both positions had over 100 targets on the year last year. I have Philadelphia throwing 60 more times last year. A.J. Brown, 123 targets. It still does not warrant a wide receiver one selection. Jalen Hurts is a good quarterback, great in fantasy, but just good, maybe maybe even mediocre as a passer. Um, with 123 targets, I just don't see A.J. Brown fishing any higher than a low-end wide receiver, too. Yeah, and I love the talent of A.J. Brown, too. I wish he would have went anywhere. He's, like a, right he's like a top three talent yeah. at the wide receiver position. He's perhaps. a great receiver, but he's just – I mean, Tannehill wasn't great quarterback play, but it was much better than this. Um, I, I don't know. I think it's on I think par. just the offense is – the offense favored A.J. Brown much more in Tennessee as it does here, um, where he's actually competing with another receiver, a few other receivers, in a run-heavy offense. This offense is made to run the ball, one of the best offensive lines in the league, um, a great running quarterback, a few good running backs in Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott. Um, so I just don't see the – how you can take him this high. I really, I really like, I really want him to be good. I I want him to be good, but even after recalculating the numbers, perhaps stretching a little bit more into the passing category because they went out and grabbed AJ Brown, um, they're going to be more inclined to pass the ball because they have a, they signed Zach Pascal as well. They have a deep wide receiver core. Um, I still just don't see AJ Brown fishing higher than a top 20 wide receiver. Him or Deontay Johnson? Who do you want? Deontay. Yeah, I agree. And it, it would be really hard to draft in, in your draft. <laughs> I don't want either of them, really. <laughs> Neither do I. But um, 
So if if you see AJ Brown sliding down your board, perhaps it's the fourth round and nobody wants AJ Brown uh, for alike reasons. Uh, don't feel inclined to buy the value. Yeah. I just don't see him finishing where his expectations are. I'll move on to my first receiver. Um, neck and neck with AJ Brown and ADP He's going mid third round um and a third round uh 12 five receiver over going right Higgins. where aj brown is yeah he's right next to him um and so i will say i'd much prefer t higgins than aj brown on my team this season i don't know about you can you attest to that i would draft in a vacuum i would draft t higgins yeah. over aj brown neither of them are guys that i'm uh trying yeah. to get my issue with t higgins is he's going far too early um he's the first receiver we see off the board um, who is a wide receiver two on his own offense. Everyone else before him is wide receiver one. Then there's T Higgins as a wide receiver two. It doesn't make sense to me why this would happen. Um, I guess people are just super like Joe Burrow is going too high. T Higgins is going too high. Um, I think I've, people want to love this offense. I feel like there's a crowd that also thinks T Higgins is the better one B to Jamar's one a, which they are. Um, but T Higgins could outpace him in targets because on a per game basis, I believe he did last year. He could finish higher than Jamar Chase this season, but the odds aren't in his favor to do so. No. I would say that. So that is why he's going too early in drafts for me. Um, offense just, we've said it plenty of times, insanely efficient last season. Um, and T Higgins had his games where he had just insane numbers. He dropped 200 yards, a couple touchdowns in a game. Um, on the Steelers head, actually, sadly. But my thing with T. Higgins, too early. First wide receiver two taken off the board as a wide receiver one. There's guys going after him that I prefer, like Michael Pittman, DJ Moore. I'd take those guys over T. Higgins. I agree. Um, it's not that I don't I don't dislike T. Higgins. I think if you if you want to draft him as your wide receiver one, okay. Um, just know you have to follow it up and grab someone strong as your yeah. wide receiver two. I, yeah, I, at his current price tag, I'm I'm not in favor of T. Higgins. Uh, I'd rather have Michael Pittman, DJ Moore, someone else in that lower tier than yeah. him. That's my wide receiver one. It's my wide receiver two. I'm I love T. Yeah, was, yeah, definitely. But you're drafting him as wide receiver one, so yep. that's why I'm scared of him. My my other wide receiver, I am out on this year. He's a blast for me. Is Terry McLaurin? It's going as a wide receiver eighteen in the late fourth round. He's my wide receiver, 25. Uh, the story with Terry has been much more or less the same. He A bad quarterback is weighing him down. He's an elite tight or elite talent, excuse me. Uh, but look, Carson Wentz is his quarterback. Carson Wentz had the 32nd best catchable pass rate last year. Wentz is inaccurate. Uh, the story is still going to be the same with Terry McLaurin. Terry's had over 130 targets each of the past two years. He's... The highest finish he's finished on a per game basis is wide receiver 20. That's points per game. Um, so it's it's not like he's been able to produce with that amount of volume. Michael Pittman, I don't see him finishing any higher than what Michael Pittman finished with uh Carson Wentz last year. Mm -hmm. Pittman had 129 targets last year, only 99 of them were deemed catchable. I feel like Terry McLaurin's gonna have be in the same boat, um, perhaps even less catchable passes than. Pittman had last year because McLaurin's more of a deep threat. There's a capable wide receiver too in Washington with Jahan Dotson. The wide receiver one. 
No, uh, no, but uh, nice try. Uh, but yes, with dots in there and paired with Wentz in efficiency, it, it's not happening this year for Terry to finish as a top 20 receiver. We haven't seen it yet. He's disappointed fantasy managers every year um, where we're drafting him. He just finishes below that simply. And I feel like he's in line for another season finishing below his ADP. Yeah, I have never been a Terry McLaurin owner. And every year I laugh at who takes him in my league. And last year it was one of my roommates in school. Um, and I made fun of him for it constantly. He always tried to offer me trades for him. And I was just it's like, just like they try this. and sell you. Everybody tries he's to sell so you. good. Yeah, uh, that he's an elite talent. And yeah, yes. sure, he is. Um, he's a great wide receiver. He's got a great contested catch ability. I remember that one highlight he had. For a 39 yard catch was insane. Um, but you know, I'm not relying on those circus catches to give me consistent yeah. fancy production. Um, so I agree with you there. We've had some disagreements though in this list so far, though. I like it, but I think we're gonna agree with my next guy too, Tyreek Hill. Um, wide receiver eight going in the very beginning of the set or sorry, um, middle of the second round, near the end of the second round. Um it's just too early for me. Uh, he's He should have dropped further in the offensive switch. Um, he's not going to have Patrick Mahomes anymore. He now is Tua Tagovailoa, even if he is a more accurate quarterback, according to Tyreek. Um, I'm just scared of him. I think that Waddle's going to be a target hog. Uh, he's got, he has a chance to finish higher than Tyreek Hill, and he's going around two rounds later. So that's just not encouraging for me with Tyreek. Um, the offense doesn't really benefit him. I see them running the ball a lot. I see a lot of short plays. It's just what Tua is capable of. He's not the best deep ball quarterback in the NFL. Um, According to Tyreek's comments, he is. Tyreek said that he was more accurate than Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> I don't believe anything Tyreek says. Um, so, yeah, so I, it's just something that I'm really scared of. The offense doesn't fit Tyreek's um, nature. He's a deep ball guy. He's an easy yak guy. And he can be a yak guy in this offense with those short yardage plays, but I really think that falls more in Jalen Waddle's field house. And we'll see how Tyreek fits into this offense when the season starts. I think both are going to play very similarly. I mean, both of them have sub four to three speeds. Um, I think both are going to be unleashed to be used in a variety of ways. I'm excited to see how this Miami offense is going to shake out. I do not see Tyreek Hill finishing as a top end wide receiver one. I do not. He's my wide receiver 10 overall. So it's, it's not like I'm completely out on Tyreek. Um, I obviously Mike McDaniels an offensive guru. He's going to bottom feed his best playmakers. And that's Tyreek Hill. That's Jalen Waddle. Um, I'd rather have Waddle at his value than yeah. Tyreek. I'll put it that way, but in a vacuum. In a vacuum, I think I'd still take Tyreek just for the upside. I'm going to take Tyreek, admittedly, for the name. Ad yeah, like, I mean, admittedly like, for the name. He, That's the only reason. Well, his his name, but he also has that his history. Yeah, yeah, he he can score from anywhere on the field. There's yeah. no, there's quite frankly nobody that can do what Tyreek Hill does. My tight end that I am avoiding this year, and this isn't because. I don't think he's a great player. This is just because I, this range of tight ends, I'm being averse. I'm avoiding at all costs as George Kittle. He's going as a tight end four at the four Oh three early in the fourth round. He's my tight end six. So perhaps I am slightly low on him. Uh, Kittle has a new quarterback emerging weapons and Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel. Uh, those are the, those guys I think could outpace George Kittle in targets this year. 
And the one Trey Lance start that Kittle was healthy with, now this is a tiny microscopic sample size, uh, but it, perhaps there's a little truth behind it. Kittle only had two targets in that game. Uh, that was against Houston week 17, I believe. Yeah. 43% of George Kittle's games last year were going for single digits. Uh, he's turning 29 this year. He's a very important blocker in this offense. I feel like Kyle Shanahan's going to get the most out of every player in this offense. Um, and they're not an air raid offense by all means. I feel like George Kittle is going to be more relegated to being the six lineman than he is the top receiving option for Trey Lance. I think Ayuk is stepping out of the shadow of Debo Samuel, and both are going to be electric playmakers on the perimeter. I see them uh, mm. handling the majority of the receiving workload throughout this offense. And they have Juwan Jennings, who scored five times off of only 24 catches last year. So he's a red zone target for them as well. Um, yeah, I agree. George Kittle, I think that he is, I think that he's the best overall tight end in the league. Is the out of the well tight ends rounded. we talked about. Yeah, he's the best blocker out of like the Kelsey's, the Andrews, the Wallers. Um, and he's an exceptional receiver too. If he were on a high power, if he was on the Packers or the Bucks, he would be the tight end one without a doubt. I think. Oh, yeah. Just it's just the offense that he's in. It doesn't favor him. And it is true that some quarterbacks just don't really target their tight ends. They prefer to look out wide to receivers instead of up the middle towards their tight ends. I can't make that claim or assertion with Trey Lance. However, um, I guess this season will be the big indicator. But that one game last year, George Kittle was irrelevant. Yeah. So we'll see how that turns out. You don't Um, like a tight end in this range either. I do not. Right next to him, Darren Waller um, going as the tight end five, just behind George Kittle. It's just scary with the Adams entry and the fact that Derek Carr is my one of my black flag plants this season. Mm-hmm. So it's the offense doesn't appeal to me this year. Um, it does. I think it's going to be a good offense, but I don't think it'll favor Darren Waller or even Devontae Adams. I think it'll be fairly spread out between each guy in this offense, between the Renfro, the Jacobs, the Waller and the Adams. I think they're all going to get their share, but I think it won't be a very large share because Derek Carr doesn't have a ton to offer. Um, He's still going to throw the ball 600 times. He will. He will. But I'm worried about something that's very important for tight ends because they don't get as many targets in the run of play is the red zone. And with Devontae Adams now on the team, he's been like the most commanding receiver in the red zone for the past three seasons. Granted, that was in Green Bay with a different quarterback. But if, if we expect carryover from Green Bay to Las Vegas, then we should see Devontae Adams receiving a ton of red zone targets. And that just hurts Darren Waller's production. And going that early, I think there's tight ends you can find later that offer similar value um, with a much, a much decreased cost. It's not that I don't like George Kittle or Darren Waller. I like them both. Yeah. They're both great receivers um, from the tight end position. They're both great players. Uh, but two things are true about them. They're both in loaded offenses with other playmakers. They're both in uh, offenses experiencing some sort of change. Waller with a new head coach and a new wide receiver one. Uh, Kittle with a new quarterback thrown to him. And they're just in that zone where I'm not spending a fourth round pick on a tight end. I'd rather spend a fifth rounder on Dalton Schultz 
or I'd rather spend, you know, a, a ninth rounder, you know, punt the position. So anyone in between Travis Kelsey and Dalton Schultz, I feel like I'm avoiding um, pretty much at all costs, unless if Mark Andrews is sliding into the third round or whatever, then I can see myself taking him. Uh, but those guys, I'm just not emphatic about drafting any of them. I, I would rather load up on the running back or wide receiver pools in that range. Yeah, I'm a big fan of just trying to find the next breakout tight end. Like we saw Darren yeah. Waller come out of nowhere. We saw Dalton Schultz come out of nowhere. It's possible. And I think that's really important to study the position, study the guys going later in drafts and pick which one you think has the opportunity to move up to a top five tight end. I like Gerald Everett and Cole Komet. You Irv like Smith. Irv Smith. And Gerald Everett. Um, so duos that we're avoiding, Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, yeah. uh, Derek Carr, Darren Waller. Yeah, those are not you. favorable stacks. RB1, well, my RB1 that I'm being averse on avoiding is Dalvin Cook. Yours is Nick Chubb. Mm -hmm. Damian Harris, Travis Etienne, both in that low-end RB2 range. Neither are going to be on our teams. Wide receivers, A.J. Brown, T. Higgins, as I already mentioned. Tyreek. Tyreek, Terry McLaurin, all avoiding, in addition to George Kittle. Where can they follow us at? Uh, you can follow us at Wagme Fantasy on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, and Facebook. Facebook. Yes. And YouTube. And subscribe but, to the newsletter. Yes. Winning with Wagme. It's the New York Times of fantasy football. You can subscribe for that at wagmefantasy.com. Seriously, it's going to be a great tool for you in the season. Um, so why not get one email a week? You will get all the great weekly waiver targets. Start them, sit them. We'll do the research for you. Um, and gladly provide you for them. We just enjoy this stuff. So yes, that's going to wrap it up. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>